What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It is Friday, February 18th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I am Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day, the podcast that will soon be twice as expensive due to inflation. <laughs> yes, meaning it will still not cost you anything, but you should just know the amount of nothing that it costs will keep pace with the market. Yeah, my next year, it might cost three times as much nothing. We don't control this, folks. We wish we did. On today's show, as the Olympics wrap up, we're going to take you behind the scenes on what it was like to actually cover them. Plus, Trump is ordered to testify in New York's investigation into his organization. But first, a quick update about the situation in Ukraine. So we have been hearing a lot about this for a while now. You know, will Russia invade? When will they do it? Is it today? Is it tomorrow? few days from now. It's really impossible for us to answer definitively, especially as we go to record this now on Thursday night. But yesterday, there was a big spike in shelling across the front line between the Ukrainian military and Russian-backed separatists within Ukraine. The separatists are claiming that the Ukrainians are the ones firing at them. Mm. And because Russia has long held that they have a responsibility to protect the ethnic Russians who live in eastern Ukraine, the fear here is that Russia could use this as a justification, quote unquote, for any military action they may take, like if they turn around and invade, basically. Yeah, got it, got it. Then this is all happening after diplomatic clashes and really general confusion over whether or not Russian troops are actually pulling back from the Ukrainian border, as the Kremlin has said. So what is the latest word there? Yeah, so the Biden administration is still saying that the threat of invasion is really high. And even though Putin is denying that he'll do it at the moment, they don't really believe him. They still Hmm. expect an invasion and they are saying so publicly. So we will do our best to keep you updated in the coming days. Obviously, this is a situation that's changing really rapidly on the ground, day to day, hour to hour. We'll be back on Tuesday with the latest. But in the meantime, I highly recommend keeping an eye on the Pod Save America and Pod Save the World feeds for the latest information. Yeah, and hopefully there is not the worst outcome here. Yes, we do hope. Yes. In other global news, where this is going to be our last opportunity to update you before the weekend, the Beijing Winter Olympics conclude this Sunday. And among the noteworthy recent developments is the end of the saga of 15-year-old Russian figure skater Kamila Valieva. So she has been at the center of a doping scandal that has really overshadowed much of the coverage in the past few days. Truly the only thing I feel like I've been hearing about for the past week. Yeah, and on Thursday, much of the surprise of observers, Valieva came in fourth place in her individual event, and a different Russian skater took the gold. Yeah, meanwhile, Michaela Schifrin, the American skier, failed to complete another race on Thursday. That was the third time this has happened in the last two weeks. She has been grieving the loss of her father and is among the many athletes who have been speaking more openly about the pressure and mental health and competition, and you know, we applaud her for doing so. Yeah, and there were plenty of transcendent moments for athletes across these games. Among the American highlights were Aaron Jackson's gold medal in speed skating, Nathan Chen's in figure skating, a wad favorite, and Lindsay Jacob Ellis's gold in snowboarding. 
So for more on all of this, I caught up with my good friend, Ava Wallace, who has been in China reporting on the Olympic Games for the Washington Post for close to three weeks now. I started by asking her about what all the reporting has actually been like. So I am one of, I want to say, I think we have 10 or 11 reporters here from the Washington Post covering the Winter Games. Um, And I am one of the designated mountain reporters this time. So I am in a city called Zhangzhikou, 140 miles northwest of Beijing. It actually is the city that has the biggest section of the Great Wall in it. So it's actually kind of this like military stronghold. And that's where the main ski and snowboard venue is. Unlike Beijing, there is nobody up here. It's deserted. There are no cars on the road. There are no people who are not associated with the Olympics up here. It is empty right now because the Olympics are being held kind of like Tokyo. They're not using the word bubble. They're using the word closed loop here. So basically, if you're inside of the closed loop, you can't go in, you can't go out. So when I take the train, for example, when I take the bullet train that connects Beijing and Zhangzhou, I have to buy a separate ticket that's like within the closed loop. So I don't interact with any, you know, normal Chinese citizens or anything. That also means that all the volunteers and people who are working here, they're all staying away from their families right now because they're mm. in the closed loop for the bubble. What is your actual day-to-day like? So much of my life is spent on buses. There's a really convoluted bus system. It's particularly convoluted up here because we are not allowed to walk anywhere because that's considered not COVID safe. I cannot walk from venue to venue or I'm not supposed to walk from venue to venue, even ones that are like a four minute walk away. So a lot of my life is spent on very slow moving buses. I'm either going to the media center to do work or the ski venue to cover an event. And that's pretty much life in the closed loop is wake up, you get a throat swab, you go to your venue. You go back to your hotels. That's all. What has been your favorite thing that you've gotten to write slash thing that you've actually seen so far? I got to cover the snowboarder, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who is 36 years old. And in 2006, she became famous because she celebrated too early at the debut of her uh, discipline, which is called snowboard cross, which is basically a cross between snowboarding and motocross. She finally won the gold medal that she kind of gave up 16 years ago. And talking to her about not only that moment of kind of like redemption or absolution, but also talking to this athlete who had spent a lot of her career refusing to be defined by that mistake and also had spent a lot of her career saying a gold medal doesn't mean that much. So it was really interesting to watch from that point of view. And it just kind of reminds you of the cruelty and power of the Olympics of these athletes who are doing their day jobs day to day for 16 years, but people only care about them every four years. And yeah, that was really incredible. But I mean... The memories of this Olympics certainly are going to be things like, you know, when I went to cover an IOC briefing, which they have daily here in the main press center down in Beijing, and journalists get up and ask questions. And there's a lot of differences in Western media asking different questions than Chinese media. You know, Western media were asking about the doping scandal with Camila Villieva, and a lot of Chinese reporters are asking, how proud are you of the legacy of these games? Mm. Do you feel a light at the end of the tunnel now that you know, the pandemic might be coming to the end or that the Olympics were a success. It is really striking in the different topics of conversation between kind of the two sides of this divide that's playing out right. aside from the Olympics. I saw that you tweeted that one of the themes of this Olympics is pressure. Can you talk about like what that actually means to you? Is this a different kind of pressure? And if so, why is that? It's a different kind of pressure for one athlete in particular. Eileen Gu is facing an entirely different type of pressure and seems to be handling it with more aplomb than I could ever expect of an 18-year-old. Whatever Simone Biles is to us, that is what Eileen Gu is to China. 
She is the American-born Chinese skier, born and raised in California, trained with the American team forever, became a really, really good skier, then years and years ago, chose to ski for her mother's native China. There are a lot of questions given the terrible relationship between the U.S. and China right now, and a lot of kind of U.S. nationalism in saying, why are you doing this? Why are you turning your back on your country? If you ask her any question like that, and she gets them pretty much every time she skis or does anything, her answer is that she wanted to inspire more Chinese people to get on the snow. She is eloquent and she speaks as well as she skis. And it's it's quite something to watch, but it is definitely something no other athlete here is facing. I see her on TV 20 times a day, maybe um, between different commercials and just on CCTV here and everything like that. If you watch an NBC broadcast of Eileen Gu skiing, listen for how many times they talk about this 18-year-old SAT scores or, yeah. or mentioning yeah. that, she's a, that she's also a fashion model and she's going to Stanford and all this stuff, which is true. But it's like we both realize we're talking about all the pressure that these Olympic athletes in particular face. And then we're turning around and we don't know how to cover them in any other way. And I don't know what the answer to that is, certainly, but it definitely proves to me that for us as reporters and as a media, it's really hard to learn in real time. You were sort of alluding to this, but like how much have politics at all impacted everything? Is that also a through line that is sort of persistent? Yes, certainly. If only because there are a couple of key journalists who continue to bring it up. The IOC spokesman will get questions about it at the daily briefings. So at these IOC briefings, there's an IOC spokesman and there's also a representative of the games organizers, a Chinese woman, I believe it usually is. I believe someone asked a question about Taiwan, Chinese Taipei, and and she cut in and, and said there is only one China in the world, which is a political statement. And meanwhile, the IOC spokesman has been spending the entire games telling people the IOC is not political, the Olympics are not political you know, he says that. And then Peng Shui shows up, the tennis player, um, right. where there's a ton of swirling controversy around her. And Thomas Bach kind of touts it as, see, we're meeting with her. And, and you have questions like, well, how is that not political? Or how are you not using right. the IOC sway to get political things done then? Covering IOC briefings is truly like being gaslit. You're being told not to believe what you're seeing with your eyes. You are coming to the end of this experience. What is like the primary thing that's like been on your mind as it's coming to a close? I have been pretty shocked across the board at how bummed everybody is. Like usually the Olympics are a party and I don't just mean like from the athlete standpoint, but I mean like from my perspective and a reporter's perspective, like this is when a bunch of reporters from a bunch of different outlets across the country and across the world, you get to meet and hang out with and you experience a country's culture and you come away from a sporting event with a taste of a city and a people And that has just not been the case here. And it is really, I think, affecting everybody. Everybody's pretty Mm -hmm. ready to go home, down across the board, in my experience. And again, I'm mostly talking to American journalists, so I can't like speak for everybody. But it's just the second COVID games feels much more restrictive than the first, despite there being really good, legitimate moments of triumph and glory and all of that legitimately excellent stuff that I believe in certainly and that I believe matters. I was really concerned coming in with the fact that I think what people are viewing at home is not necessarily what's going on here. That disparity has kind of never felt bigger before, especially with the doping scandal. And it's kind of like, can we even believe in this competition is a clean one, is a good one, is something that, you know, the winners are the deserving winners. That has certainly been on my mind a lot. 
Priyanka, that is my conversation with the Washington Post's reporter, Ava Wallace, and my friend who gets dragged onto this show often. <laughs> she has been in China reporting on the Olympics. You know what? I am bummed for her and everyone else that this doesn't sound as fun to be at as previous Olympics. Like that always seemed like the dream to go do and be at and report on. Like if you're a reporter, like what a fun thing to get to do. But you know what? Hopefully she gets out of there safe and sound and as soon as possible. But that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. Over 100 people are dead and dozens more missing in Petropolis, Brazil, after heavy rain this week triggered mudslides that crushed homes. Monday's downpour broke a 90-year record in the tourist city just north of Rio de Janeiro. And the ensuing floods washed away houses, cars, and more from hillside neighborhoods. As of our Thursday night recording, rescuers recovered the bodies of 105 victims and continue to dig through the debris. Back in 2011, more than 900 people also died in Petropolis when storms caused landslides and floods. But this recent deadly storm system is just the latest to ravage Brazil, which experts say will only increase because of climate change. For now, Petropolis' city hall declared three days of mourning while the recovery effort continues. Yeah, those are just huge, devastating numbers. Really, really sad and really scary. In other terrible news, on Thursday, Florida's House passed a Republican-sponsored bill that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, which, as we all know, is before most people even realize that they are pregnant. This is the latest bill to move through a state legislature similar to Mississippi's law that also bars abortions after the same time frame. And the U.S. Supreme Court seems poised to uphold that law. Hmm. In Florida, abortions are already banned before the third trimester. The current law allows exceptions if it's necessary to save the pregnant person's life or if the pregnancy is the result of rape or incest. But this new bill is way more extreme. It does not have that rape or incest exception. The bill now heads to the GOP-controlled Senate before it's sent to Florida governor and Trump's frenemy, Ron DeSantis. Meanwhile, similar measures were also passed this week by West Virginia's House and Arizona's Senate. That is not good to hear. Not good news largely from state legislatures these days. We can fix that with elections, just so you know, everybody. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Yesterday, a New York state judge ordered former President Trump to testify under oath within the next 21 days. This is all part of State Attorney General Letitia James' investigation into his business practices and whether the Trump Organization misled lenders and others in its financial statements. Trump's children, Ivanka and Donald Jr., were ordered to testify as well. It might seem like Eric's being excluded, and while that often is the case, it is actually not what is happening here. He was already deposed back in 2020. In calling the Trumps to testify, the judge rejected the arguments made by the Trump's attorneys who tried to block the subpoenas by James. The judge also ordered the former president to turn over documents that had been subpoenaed as well. During yesterday's hearing, the Trump's lawyers indicated that they would appeal the judge's decision and argued that the investigation is politically motivated. But the judge did say the Trumps would be able to invoke their Fifth Amendment rights during the depositions if they had concerns about self-incrimination. In his deposition, Priyanka, I'd like to add, Eric did that 500 times. So... Our best bet is that Trump forgets where he is and accidentally falsifies uh, an accounting document in front of the prosecutors. That, I really just can't. I couldn't before. (laughs) I still, there's really nothing more to say about Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. The only car company that offers self-driving with jump scares, Tesla, (laughs) has had a rough couple of days. 
The National Highway Safety Administration, or NHSA, announced on Wednesday it had opened an investigation into the phenomenon called phantom braking, which Tesla's Model 3s and Model Ys set on autopilot will brake unexpectedly at, quote, highway speeds. New. Literal nightmare status. The NHSA said it has received over 350 consumer complaints about this over the last nine months. It estimates that over 400,000 vehicles may be affected. If Tesla is required to issue a recall, there is a chance it could fix these issues via software updates. Either way, the company should have the recall process pretty dialed in at this point because it has done it 10 times in the U.S. over the past four months. Mm -mm. That is wild. Also, yesterday, Elon Musk's attorney accused the Securities and Exchange Commission of repeatedly harassing Musk because, quote, he remains an outspoken critic of the government. (laughs) The letter cites the 2018 lawsuit where the SEC fined Musk and Tesla $20 million each after Musk tweeted that his company was on the verge of being bought out for $420 a share when this was not even close to the truth. Listen, I think the screens are cool in these cars, but, you know, you can look at a screen in your house and not have it be breaking at highway speeds. Tape an iPad to like your, I don't know, like front console area. It's basically the same and you won't die. That's great. Exactly. Put that iPad on your Honda Civic dashboard and get on with your day. (laughs) And those are the headlines. We're going to be back after some ads. Uh, Yikes. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it. 
and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with, therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. It is Friday, Wild Squad, and today we're doing a new segment called Five Guys, where we'll quickly run down five guys whose very newsworthy conduct we didn't get to this week. <laughs> Guy, in this case, is a gender-neutral term. So after I'm done, Gideon, you get the honor of awarding one of these guys a hamburger, while the other four okay. guys get peanuts, which are free at the restaurant Five Guys and are famously mm-hmm. worse than the burgers. <laughs> this segment, if you are wondering, is not at all sponsored, but it is available to be sponsored. Five Guys, if you are listening... Slide in the DMs. We'd love to chat. Gideon, do you understand the rules and are you ready for this game? Yes and no. So proceed. All right. That's good <laughs> enough for me. All right. Guy number one is President Joe Biden. He set aside time this Tuesday to tell a story about a dead dog at a conference. <laughs> Biden claimed that as a young elected official, he got a call from a constituent demanding that he move a dead dog off of her lawn. Mm-hmm. Like a vengeful Amelia Bedelia, he followed her words literally, moving it off of her lawn by putting it on her doorstep. Hell yeah. Guy number two is Alexander Vasiliev. He is a 63-year-old security guard in Russia who spent his first workday drawing eyes on a $1 million painting. <laughs> this fine art remix Love happened it. back in December, but was only recently reported on. Early reports said Vasiliev was, quote, bored. But since then, he claimed he got tricked by teenagers who told him, quote, draw eyes, you work here. <laughs> the teens are terrifying in his defense. Guy number three is Melania Trump, who is the first Mm. former first lady to go deep on NFTs. She announced a, quote, POTUS Trump NFT collection yesterday, consisting of photos from Trump's time in office. This came days after Vice revealed that when she sold an NFT of her hat back in December for almost $200,000, the winning bid may have come from her own crypto wallet. Mm -hmm. All right, we're over halfway through, Gideon. I hope you are keeping track of your guys. My burger is on the grill, and I am... (laughs) Surrounded by peanut shells. All right. Get ready. Good news. Guy number four is Craig Schubert, the former mayor of Hudson Springs, Ohio, who stepped down Monday after comments suggesting that allowing ice fishing in the town could lead to prostitution. He claimed <laughs> oh he was God. using, quote, dry humor, but you can decide for yourself whether or not that is true. Additionally, if you open this up to ice fishing, while on the surface it sounds good, then what happens next year? Does someone come back and say, I want an ice shanty? on Hudson mm. Springs Park for X amount of time. And if you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem, prostitution. And now you've got the police <laughs> chief and the police department involved. Just data points to consider. It's definitely how that goes. Just some points to consider, as he says. <laughs> and our fifth and final guy, unfortunately, is Joe Rogan, whose Spotify Ooh. deal was not worth $100 million, as was previously reported. Yesterday, the New York Times reported that Spotify paid over $200 million for an exclusive (laughs) license to the Joe Rogan experience. Man. So Gideon, those are your five guys. Joe Biden, Russian security guard Alexander Vasiliev, Melania Trump, former mayor Craig Schubert, or Joe Rogan. Time has come. Who is getting the hamburger? All right. I'm getting my burger off the grill for my guy, Alexander Vasiliev. (laughs) the Mr. Bean uh, of Russia. My guy, Alexander, deserves this burger for two reasons. One, he's an artistic genius, and he improved a work that he saw while he was at work for intentions that we don't really know, but we won't ask any further questions. We love initiative. We love to see it. And two, 
as a security guard who has to sit around and, you know, guard paintings that he's going to alter in the future, he probably gets hungry. So I would like to give him uh, a burger. And that's uh, what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm going to agree with you, but for completely different reasons, who among us hasn't been terrified of the teenagers lately? Mm. You see euphoria? Absolutely terrified. Anyways, mm-hmm. I think this guy deserves a burger for being bullied by these children into doing, <laughs> I don't know, making a very costly mistake, I imagine. This was Five Guys. Gideon, thank you so much for playing. I'm sure we will do this again sometime, hopefully with real burgers. It was my honor. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) One more thing before we go. We will be taking a break for President's Day weekend and we'll be back in your feeds on Tuesday. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, visit our would-be sponsor, Five Guys, and tell your friends to listen. (laughs) And if you're into reading and not just the soaring cost of free podcasts like me, (laughs) What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And and recall recall the the jump scares scares from from my Tesla. Tesla. Yes. If I want to be afraid, I will go to the multiplex and see Scream 5. I will not be in my car on the highway Elon. I'm sorry to anyone who's listening to this in a Tesla right now. Yeah. We appreciate you. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware.